Welcome to All About Windows Phone Insight, podcast number 124. We're recording this on Tuesday, and this is important. Remember this, Tuesday, January the 20th, 2015, because tomorrow is a rather important event, but we'll come to that in a moment. In the meantime, I am Steve Litchfield, and with me I have... Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's going to be an exciting week, I think, in the Windows world, but it's not that we haven't had anything going on recently either, so we thought we'd squeeze in an extra podcast, so we may well end up having two sort of slightly shorter podcasts this week. Uh, as I say, we've still got plenty to talk about, but see, we kind of uh, previewed what's happening tomorrow. Maybe we could just mention in passing what we're expecting to see. <laughs> well, you, I would say your guess is as good as mine, but uh, <laughs> I, I suspect we may be a tiny bit underwhelmed because an awful lot of it will be Windows 10 on the desktop and on tablets. But of course, I mean, it's kind of a unified platform now going right down to phones. We're, we're kind of expecting that there will be official confirmation of what Windows 10 on phones will actually be called. I think Windows 10 Mobile is probably the, the favourite bet at this, at this moment. There may well be some screenshots. We're hoping there'll be some timescales at least, certainly for a timescale for the new Insiders program to start, so people can start playing with it on phones if they're brave enough. And of course also timescales when the first devices with Windows 10 Mobile um, what will appear, and also a possible timescale for when over-the-air updates roll out. And I did put some predictions in one of my pieces during the week, and if you add all of those different ifs and whats and buts up, you get still through to about sometime in August, September for over-the-air updates, which I think sounds about right, Rafe, so that people have still got about eight or nine months from Denim, which is rolling out at the moment, to Windows 10 when it finally comes to devices. Yeah, I think it's always better to be erring on the side of caution with the timings for this. And if we think about what's happened with updates previously it was certainly well into the summer before the OVI updates were available for most devices and you know, we've seen something similar happen with denim of which more in a moment um, so you know, those times people are going to look at them and go that seems ever so pessimistic but you know, for the majority of people on the existing devices that might be the reality now I would expect obviously you know us to see the actual devices with Windows 10 kind of pre-installed a, a little bit earlier than that. Yeah. Going by last year, it was sort of happening end of April, beginning of May. And, I, you know, I, I think that's perhaps what we'll see this time. Steve's identified June. Wouldn't be surprised if um, it, that, that's borne out. Um, as you suggested there, we aren't expecting to see the, a preview become available after the event. Um, Windows 10 for desktops, or there'll be an updated version of that allegedly available um, almost immediately. There's kind of been a technical preview for a while, but for phone devices, I think it's probably going to be more like the end of February. I wouldn't be surprised to see an announcement in conjunction with Mobile World Congress, and I wouldn't be that surprised to see some of the first uh, Windows 10 devices you know, come out there, or at least in maybe some kind of preview form. Um, going by you know past events, it wouldn't be that surprising to see Microsoft or maybe one of its other partners announce a device, and then as you say, you know March, April, that kind of time frame makes sense for what they've been doing recently, when there's typically been between six and ten weeks from the announcement to the release of phones. Uh, in terms of the kind of big overview picture, it's all going to be about the kind of one platform language and. There's been uh, suggestions, I think, from a couple of places, including uh, ZDNet, that it's going to be one core, and this kind of building on the idea of the common core we had last time with the, the shared kernel and the shared innards. And I think that will just go up a level. We kind of talked about that previously and how in each release there would be more and more commonalities. 
I think we'll see more of that. And there may well be uh, closer integration between what we think of as Windows on the in, in tablets and, and Windows on phone devices. Of course, the idea is there'll be a, a whole continuum, whether you're on a desktop, a, a laptop, a tablet or a phone. So expect to see a lot of language around that. Expect to see some more information about what Microsoft is doing with Cortana on the desktop and the ways that some of the things we're used to doing on phones is available elsewhere. You know, there'll be some stuff around uh, Bing or the MSN content, I would imagine. And then there are going to be updates to things like the start screen and some, I think, uh, user interface elements. It's not clear how much of that will actually get talked about in this event. I think you're right, Steve, to kind of identify it, it as being relatively high level hopefully we'll be a bit surprised and see a few details one of the things i do expect to hear about tomorrow is the spartan browser and this is the kind of new browser that's going to be in addition to internet explorer but might well become the default browser on on phones and there's kind of some talk around how that's meant to be lighter better performing that kind of thing and hopefully we'll hear more about that but uh, i think that's probably enough of what might happen we'll cover that when it actually has happened uh, and in the meantime, we should probably talk about another software update that has kind of started rolling out uh, to the high-end devices, Steve. Well, in actual fact, funnily enough, it's mainly been rolling out to the low-end devices. Now, I did say Indeed. in last, last week's podcast that this could be an exciting week. This was the week just gone, a week and a half just gone, and that we would be seeing quite a few devices get denim before the event on the 21st. I've kind of been proved right. There have been quite a few devices in quite a few countries, including a few high-end devices like 930s and 1520s and some European countries. But I have to say, Rafe, I've got an array of just about every device known to man in the UK uh, running Windows Phone, and none of them have got denim as I speak. And I, I guess I have to ask you whether you've had it on any of yours. I haven't had it on any of my devices, and uh, you're right, the low-end stuff kind of started rolling out before Christmas. The reason I mentioned high-end was there was kind of the official announcement that it was coming to devices like the 1520 and the 930. But if Microsoft is wondering why there's such heavy load on the servers at the moment, it's because Steve Litchfield has got <laughs> 10 devices and is pressing a check for updates button every five seconds. He's obviously uh, very keen, as I have to say, am I, to get hands on the denim update, mainly because that's all about the Lumia camera that we yeah. mentioned before. Yeah. But uh, is it worth just saying... If- talking a little bit about some other things that you can expect to see from denim i know you've done a, an article on this this week but just a quick summary of that yes the thing i actually wanted to address was that people were complaining that devices like i mean the high-end devices the lumia 920 the 925 and of course the 1020 they, they're saying oh no i, I denim is going to arrive and it will be exactly the same firmware version exactly the same software i'm not going to get anything it'll simply be denim arriving and nothing changing and they're absolutely right if they're already on the preview for developer program i wanted to make the point they they already have 99.9 percent of what denim will bring to them um because denim basically is that windows phone 8.1 update one um and, and in, in case of the the camera devices like the 830 the 930 and 1520 with the snapdragon x100 um, chipsets there will be lumia camera 5 and all the wonders we keep going on about in every single podcast and they still haven't arrived but for those um yesterday's flagships if you like the 929 and 1020 if you're already on preview for developers then you have got everything you don't actually need to worry about then enrolling out at all when it arrives by all means install it but you won't see anything new now we should emphasize and i also wanted to make this important very important if people have got the lower end devices um the chances are that they probably aren't on the preview for developers program. We're not, we're, we're not talking tech enthusiasts here. We're talking normal users. For them, they will be going from 8.1 to 8.1 update one stroke denim. And all the wonders of Cortana, as long as it's available in their country, start screen folders and an awful lot of stuff under the hood. That will be completely 
brand new to these people. So when I hear people moaning online that denim is not a big update and they've got a 920 or 925 or similar, I think just you just because you've been updating every month on the, the beta program, if you like, mo- most users, 90% of users, will actually see this as a huge update, especially if they get Cortana along for the ride, Ray. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, this is the time to go to your Windows-owning friends. I'm sure there's some of them out there after <laughs> all. Uh, and say, have you installed the update? Look at what you get and, you know, show yeah. them off Cortana and the start screen folders. And there are various other small improvements. I mean, my personal favorite is probably on the glance screen. I have my weather forecast being displayed on the screen, for example, but you can also have it as uh, fitness data. I'm also actually looking to forward to seeing uh, Hey Cortana appear. Now, in most cases, you won't actually have that, even if you're on the develop preview program, because it's kind of a, a firmware or device specific thing. Um, yeah. Of course, the, the big thing to look forward to for most people but it is going to be the camera stuff. But you're right. I think it's worth emphasizing that just because uh, a lot of us will have had this for you know, basically uh, five or six months, it's still a, actually a pretty big update that's arriving. And um, of course, you know, you can be pretty sure that the next update, the kind of the Windows 10 update, will arrive in short order on some kind of preview program. So it's not like you're going to kind of be done out and have to wait ages and ages. But uh, of course, most people are on kind of the standard rollout program. I suspect all those listening to this podcast don't qualify. But as I say, you know, it's parents' devices, it's friends and family who may not be quite so familiar with it. And, uh, you know, Cortana, I don't use it every day, but certainly it's sometimes very convenient to be able to take advantage um, of it in terms of the voice activated stuff. But I do actually use the kind of the new search interface every single day without kind of thinking about it. I've always liked having a, a search button on my device because, you know, it's basically a, a window to the world and the window to the web. And it's it's great in that respect. And of course, um, that does make search more intelligent. There's more semantic search. There's more natural language search. And so I think that's actually a pretty big update in itself, especially for people who aren't maybe quite so obsessed with their phones. And actually something like that kind of information retrieval is a really important function to them. So, um, uh, uh, yes, I've seen the similar sniping about denim and sort of it's not that big a deal. To me, actually, it's a pretty significant update and certainly, uh, you know, maybe not in line with the 8.1 update, which, of course, brought so many great things like the notification drop down and some of the other kind of uh, extras. Um, but certainly for a relatively small in-between update, yeah, I think it's a big deal. And of course, uh, if you're still determined to be grumpy, just uh, wait 24 hours or wait in, you know, a couple of weeks and you'll be able to try out the next complete version upgrade. So well yeah. worth keeping an eye on, and but well worth educating kind of your friends who are maybe uh, less keen on uh, preview programs than you are. Oh, a couple of weeks time for Windows 10 preview program. You heard it first. That's the time scale for Windows 10. Oops. Of course, Ray Blandford. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see tomorrow. Indeed. Uh, moving on, we have had some new hardware to play with. Um, I, I, we'll, we'll mention the two new low-end Lumis in a moment, but I wanted to just give some space for the Yesbilly 4.7 and the Yesbilly 4. Um, I reviewed the 4.7 already up on the site. It's about a 3,000-word review, and I'll come to Rafe's comments in a moment. But uh, this is something that we, we saw launched about three or four months ago, and I was in a way, I was really impressed, and in a, in a way, I was really disappointed, Rafe. The first of all, the hardware is is really light and sleek compared because the Nokia Lumis, also Microsoft Lumis now, they do tend to be relatively chunky, and we're used to a certain weight in the hand. We're used to certain, you know, 
not not being super slim because they put in things like replaceable batteries and they put in decent cameras and so on. Um, this Yesbilly 4.7 is really sleek and light. It reminded me of some of the HTC devices in the past. Um, lovely hardware, very responsive screen, pretty nice contrast screen, 720p, uh, which is not bad for a £130, £140 um, device. The big downside, and the way I, I, where I think they've gone wrong, Rafe, is that they that Yes obviously got some hardware chops, but they've got zero Windows Phone software chops. So what they've done basically is taken the version of Windows Phone they've been using, which is Windows Phone 8.1 is the baseline, for their lower-end device, the Billy 4, 4-inch screen, which is 480p um, resolution, and they've basically um, copied everything, pixel for pixel, and just plonked it on their 720p screen, which means that an awful lot of applications, an awful lot of text, an awful lot of user interface elements and controls and status bars, they're, they all, they're all lifted from a 480p screen, and they, they, they look very spidery and thin and tiny on this big 720p screen. So um, it, it's very evident if you compare the Yes Billy 4.7 with what are you know, the 2015's favorite Windows phone, the Luma 830, which we're both very enamored of, which is a five-inch screen again, again 720p, but um, Microsoft have put the effort in to think, well, hang on, that doesn't look right. Let's scale it up with the scale factors to all the different elements and the text and the fonts and so forth so that everything still looks the right size. And it's clear that yes, Billy, uh, yes, this is team, haven't really put any effort in here. And there are a couple of other, other bits and pieces in, in the software. We think, well, they, they just haven't checked this. So nobody sat down and tried using it for a few days. They would have spotted this. They absolutely would. And they'd have fixed it. And it's disappointing. They put all the effort into a glossy box and, and distributing it around the world. And they haven't sat one, one really expert person down with the phone and said, right, break it or, or find something wrong with it. Yeah, it's interesting because I had a chance to see these devices uh, when I was at CES this year. And likewise, I was actually really impressed with the hardware. Uh, it's not often you say this about the kind of low-end, almost off-the-shelf reference devices, although... To be fair, it's kind of a trend that's been coming more to the forefront in the last 12 months or so. I mean, particularly if you look at the Android world, there were a lot of devices that were, frankly, very low quality and the hardware didn't measure up too much. But these companies do seem to be learning about how to build higher quality devices. But you're absolutely right to say that on any modern smartphone, there is also that software component. And if anything, that's almost more important than the hardware. I can put up with a slightly annoying bit of hardware if the software runs well, if it's well optimized. And there's actually real skill in getting that right. And I think people don't always appreciate that when they, you know, are used to kind of a device from maybe a tier one manufacturer. Yeah. And something very similar happened in the Android world with something like the uh, Motorola G, which is a, a mid-tier or low-end even Android device from Motorola. But a lot of effort went into kind of optimizing and refining the experience. And as a result, you came out with a, a much better device than was, you know, apparent compared to its sort of other low-end mid-tier competitors on similar hardware. I mean, there was a bit of a price premium and actually you find something Something similar, I guess, in the, the Windows Phone world with the Lumia devices, something like the 830 or, you know, comparison with the 732 as well, of course. And it, it, it does strike me a shame. I didn't get to use the devices for long enough to actually kind of have that same software experience that, that Steve did. But, you know, obviously take, take it at your word, Steve. And there were a few things when I was using it that did make me go, hmm, as I was looking at the, you know, particularly some of the text layout and the choice that had been made on scaling. Now that is per partly down to personal preference. There are a few settings that you can change, but certainly not to have a whole scale effect. And I think you're absolutely right to say that this has just been taken from the 480p screen and kind of upscaled. I wonder whether it might be fixed as more 720p devices come along. You know, 
I would hope so, and I'd hope that uh, the manufacturers of whom there are a lot of kind of taking this reference design will will take it to heart and kind of looking at that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, there are a, a few other small bits. I've noticed something similar happening on, I think it was the Prestigio devices. Again, it was a scaling issue. And uh, it'll be worth you know, checking if anyone else has got their own kind of uh, second or third tier Windows Home device. Love to have some feedback on whether you think this is going to be an issue. Uh, it, part of me wants to say that it's kind of excusable because you're a new entrant and they're prototype devices. But you're not really because it's not a prototype device. These have been on sale and in the market for quite a few months now. And these are you know, a, a company that has quite a lot of experience in producing uh, smartphones. I mean, it was also that's here showing off a Android device with a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. You know, it's looking to you know be innovative and push the space a bit. And yet, it, it feels like the Windows Phone efforts were perhaps a little bit half-hearted. Yeah. I, I think you know that could pick up if Windows Phone picks up. I mean, it's probably directly proportional to the amount of investment and time and effort they're going to put into the platform. And it is a, a problem that Windows Phone is going to have. A, you know, it's the same as a chicken and egg problem in the apps world. It, the same thing happens for this hardware from you know these tier two tier three manufacturers but uh, it does rather spoil spoil the effect and of course um, these devices are going to tend to be going to places where lumia devices don't reach i mean it's a bit like heineken beer i suppose in that respect um if i've got the brand right and i probably haven't anyway um uh, moving on from beer that i don't know anything about back to windows <laughs> which i can talk quite a bit about um it it, it it's not really an excuse and I mean, if it was a bit cheaper, you'd sort of go, well, fine, you know, you, you kind of get what you pay for. But this is actually, uh, particularly in the Yes Billy 4.7 and it, again in the 5S, which is a device we don't have our hands on yet, but I did see and at first glance certainly seemed to be running pretty much identical software and a similar set of problems, I would imagine. Um, they're, you know, 100, 200 pounds, depending on, you know, how it's priced, which market you're in. So it, it's kind of the, the fly in the ointment that puts you off recommending this as a, a device really isn't it steve it is i mean just one more example and but a fairly major one when the yes billy 4.7 was first announced we had it in our specification tables for example it said that you could capture video at 720p you thought well that sounds about right when i actually got it i tried capturing video and guess what in the settings the maximum you capture it was 480p now don't, this is not just a, a minor thing because there's an important reason here if you try sideloading 720p videos from your desktop to the Yesbilly 4.7, just bog standard 720p videos, um, they, they appalling playback, really jerky and stuttery. You think, hang on a minute, something's not quite right here. Something's not quite right in the software codex. Now, the Lumia um, 535, which has a lower end pro Snapdragon 200 processor, plays exactly the same 720p videos, absolutely fine. And, and yet, the the Yesbilly 4.7 can't play back 720p video, so of course they of course they had to take out 720p capture because otherwise it wouldn't be able to play back the videos it itself had just captured, which is absolutely crazy. And that's just a classic example of someone somewhere has completely screwed up the codex. They haven't put the effort in. So quite clearly, <laughs> there are codecs out there to run 720p video on a Snapdragon 200 processor. The, the Lumia 535 absolutely proves it and absolutely nails it and plays this video back gorgeously. But the Yesbilly completely fails. And uh, yeah, someone's again, someone's asleep at the wheel. So uh, yes, if you're listening, which I sincerely doubt, but if you are, you've got some things to fix. But we'd love to. We love your hardware and we'd, we want the 5S to be much better. So please send us a review unit. 
<laughs> we, we, we do, and it just really proves the point that I think I've bleated on endlessly in the podcast about the importance of optimizing software and the hardware integration, which is obviously kind of that software optimization, the codex we're talking about, and making sure everything runs smoothly. And I think this just goes to prove the point, and it is the danger with reference devices when something's just being built off the shelf, you don't get that same level of kind of software optimization. It does, frankly, make me a bit concerned for things like battery life as well, of course. So I, I think a bit more work needed here, but I do have to congratulate Yes on actually coming up with what's quite attractive hardware and certainly provides a very good alternative to the Lumia design language, just like a little bit more effort to fix the software. But we will be uh, following this one up. Obviously, uh, Yes has got some more hardware on the way and hopefully we'll get a chance to test that and hopefully we'll see some software updates on the device as well. But uh, we've been talking about new devices there. I think it's a great opportunity to talk about uh, what are effectively some of the very first uh, of the Microsoft uh, branded Lumia devices. We've already had the uh, 535 and, and now we've got kind of an update to those devices. Uh, I think it's really interesting to see basically a new entry level come in. That's the 435 and kind of, uh, I guess you could say, an optimization around the 530 in the form of the 532. So perhaps we should cover those devices next, Steve. Yes, yes. No, and I have a kind of theory here as well. Now, d- d- just the, the background to this, we've had the devices like the 530, with, which is really horribly compromised in terms of its hardware and we've had other low-end devices for example the rather nice 635 which i think is still think is a great little smartphone but only 512 meg of ram now these two new very low-end devices the 435 and the 532 they both despite all their other compromises um it have a full gigabyte of ram and i'll come to that in a moment just to say the 43 they're both both devices windows 8.1 didn't matter the box four-inch LCD WVGA screen, 1.2 gigahertz Snapdragon 200 processors, eight gig of internal storage, yay, plus micro SD, five megapixel fixed focus cameras and replaceable 1560mm battery. Now, both devices have basically identical specification, apart from just minor differences. Um, the, fi- the, the 532 does have a quad-core processor rather than dual-core, and there's a very slight resolution change in the rear camera. Otherwise, the two models are essentially identical. But the really interesting thing, Rafe, rather than the fact that they're quite close to each other, is that for Microsoft, it's clear, has, has worked out what it's going to need to run Windows 10 across the board. Now, initially, it said all Windows Phone 8.1 devices will get Windows 10. I suspect... It may at some point drop the 512 um, megabyte RAM devices or at least delay the 10 rollout to those. And because we've seen this, these two new devices, along with the 535, they're all coming online now with a gig of RAM and 8 gig of internal storage. And I, th- and I think that's the minimum specification for guaranteed Windows 10 and running it well. And anything else for the lower memory devices, I think, will have to be either not happening at all or certainly delayed. And that's my theory, which you're now feel free to shoot down. Well, I I think that's entirely reasonable uh, assumption to make, although I would suggest it's perhaps about the next version of uh, Windows Phone or whatever it ends up being called. So uh, whether that's kind of Windows 10 Update 1 or Windows 11 or or whatever, because what Microsoft has said in the past is they're going to try and provide uh, two updates for every device in terms of kind of significant major updates. And so in the case of these devices, it obviously would be Windows 10 and Windows 10 Plus 1. Um, for the older 512 megabyte devices, Windows 10 might be the one that you'd expect to be last. But I think it's you know a pretty comfortable side bet that they'll have to do extra work to make 
the the five twelve megabyte devices work on uh, Windows ten, and so you're quite right to say it, they yeah. may uh, kind of be delayed, or there may even be little bits of functionality that get dropped out for whatever yeah. reason. I mean, it's not always very apparent when you're using the devices, but the five twelve megabyte devices actually do have lesser functionality in terms of the number of background tasks it can run, in terms of the number of apps it will kind of suspend in the background at the same time. Those aren't very visible, but if you know what you're looking for and have a kind of technical bent, that that is actually going on and does have an impact on third-party applications, which is actually one of the reasons it can take a while for the third-party applications to come available in uh, kind of that limited RAM version. I mean, it's important to support those because actually at the moment, a recent uh, Microsoft post showed off that about 70% of the Windows Phone install base is actually on those lower RAM devices, mainly because devices like the 520 have made up such a large proportion of sales. But uh, absolutely right to say that these are kind of interesting devices and to my mind, they fix a lot of the issues uh, I had with the, the 530. And it's just amazing that, that these are getting to new price points. So in the case of the uh, 532, I think we're talking about 79 euros. In the case of the uh, 435, make sure I get all the naming right, it's 69 euros. Now, OK, those are before taxes and subsidies. But for the UK market, we've actually seen very often kind of a, a literal translation from euros into pounds thanks to kind of the the subsidies that exist in the pay-as-you-go market in the uk and below so, yeah yeah and, and indeed they've then dropped below that and so the 435 at 70 euros when it comes on to 70 pounds sorry when it comes onto the market i wouldn't be at all surprised to see that drop towards the 40 or even the 35 pound price point yeah which is you know quite incredible for what is going to be I would imagine a fairly capable Windows Phone device. I mean, it, we can't be absolutely sure about that because it does have uh, kind of this cut-down uh, process of going to the dual-core Snapdragon 200. Um, but I, I feel comforted by the one gigabyte of RAM. And what's really nice to see is they've actually maintained things like the two-megapixel um, back camera. It's not going to be very good, but it's you know it's still got a camera. And more importantly, the front-facing camera as well. So you can do the kind of the yeah. video calls and sky thing. And a pretty generously sized battery as well, especially compared to some of the earlier kind of cheap low end devices. This is a 15, 16 milliamp hour battery. So it really it, quite a lot to find attractive about these devices. The other thing that I really like is they're kind of using that same design style or language as the 630 and the 535. It's kind of quite blocky. It kind of, um, it, it feels when you look at the pictures, like they've got quite hard edges, but when you, use these devices in person something like the 630 or the 535 they actually fit quite comfortably into the hand they feel very solid it's not obvious that they're made up from component parts and so actually you know you take the battery out you put it back in again it really feels solid it's not going to fall apart or fly apart which some of the kind of earlier low-end devices did have that slight it obviously made of plastic but just that slight give to them that wasn't terribly attractive um, with all that i haven't actually seen these devices in person we're going by the pictures and some of the hands-on videos we've seen of course they're available Available in the kind of signature colours for 2014, green, orange, and then uh, black and white as well. But a lot to be said for them. And yeah, of course, the Lumia 435 has uh, both the dual SIM and the single SIM version. Probably worth saying that both of these devices you're more likely to find in the emerging markets. And, and frankly, something like the 535, or to be honest, more likely the 630 will be in the Western markets. And noticed the uh, 630 and 635 is kind of going into the US on a couple of carriers. And we're obviously seeing it fairly prevalently in the UK as the low end Windows phone device. And then 830 or the 735 representing the mid tier, and obviously the 930 uh, and 1520 at the top end. Clearly, a bit more space some more devices to be announced before too long um but really it, it 
it's kind of this story that we've talked about before of how these devices become cheaper and cheaper as component costs come down. And one of the things that's really in the favor of Windows Phone, as we've gone up through the versions, 8, 8.1 and 10 shortly is there hasn't been an increase in kind of the minimum requirements and I think it's fair to say the Android world has had something a problem with the low-end devices now uh, Lollipop and the 5.0 actually goes a long way to solving some of those from the early evidence at least um, but still I think there's a, a significantly higher minimum spec required to have a decent experience and certainly anyone who's used a low-end uh, Android device and particularly one of the ones that is not so well optimized then you know, comparing against Windows Phone at a similar price point, you'll find it's, I think, significantly more attractive. And that's going to be really important in appealing to low-end users. It, you know, that kind of word-of-mouth thing will get around. And I, I don't want to unfairly tar Android because there are some great lower-cost devices in the Android world as well. But I can't help but uh, think that the Lumia 435 in particular gives Microsoft a bit of advantage or rather continues what it had before, where if you're kind of looking to recommend one, Actually, it's probably the best cheap smartphone you can buy. And uh, with the 830 doing good guns in the middle ground for that as well, it obviously then does become about the whole ecosystem and platform choice, which we, we won't go over now. But all in all, I was really impressed by these. I'm looking forward to seeing them in person. We will get reviews up on the site uh, uh, as soon as we can. Um, I've been take, talking mainly about the 435. I think it's fair to f- say the 532 really is more of an iteration on the 530 and cutting some of the things from the 535. So it just comes out uh, you know, that little bit cheaper and so that means it can get into some markets better than than others and it is worth saying that you know even you know a handful of euros can actually make a significant difference as to whether an operator will choose to take on a device or how well it goes in the the consumer market so really looking forward to seeing how these uh, low-end devices do and having talked effusively about how I like the mid-tier devices I think this is two really cracking updates for Microsoft in the low end and it's going to position Lumia very well for the the first half of this year. Uh, It does have to be a fairly constant update process simply because things are moving so quickly at this lower end. We're seeing something similar from other manufacturers, you know, HTC coming out with their latest uh, Desire line at at CES, for example, is another example of how a relatively small spec change to a device and actually not much change in the way of uh, styling or design just to keep pace with the market, just so you stay cost competitive at this low end which is absolutely necessary when there's lots of uh, Chinese and Indian mobile manufacturers who are only too willing to produce these devices kind of on spec with uh, the small differences in specifications. So, yeah, I was I was more impressed than I thought, thought I would be, particularly by the 435. But uh, also keep an eye out on the 532 because I think, you know, just that little bit extra in terms of spec and, you know, the 10 euro difference is certainly justifiable and does make a much better device than the, the 530, which I now expect to see largely disappear from the sales channel with the so so that trio of devices <laughs> 535 532 and 435 the numbering scheme's getting a bit confusing should go great guns uh, when you said 530 i was going to shout out good riddance but maybe that's being i'm <laughs> <laughs> um, talking well, you mentioned hdc there br- briefly and, and their new desire the desire i i is one of the the new models and uh, i did just a shout out on the site uh, as you mentioned earlier uh there's there is an editorial 
uh, look at doing a camera head-to-head and also overview between the Luma 830 and the Desire Eye. The Desire Eye is currently about £75 more expensive, but of course the 830 has been out for a few more months. I would expect the two to both end up roughly the same sort of £250, £260 price point eventually, so I think it's a fair comparison. Uh, we don't want to go into the cam- camera comparison in too much detail, Rafe, but uh, essentially the 830 was a more or less clobbered the HDC, which is, I know HDC had went down this ultra-pixel rat hole, and they've kind of come out fighting with a new generation of 13 megapixel sensors, but I'm, I'm sorry, I still think Nokia's algorithms, and this was still with Lumia Scion, um, still knocks HDC's algorithms on the head. Yeah, it's interesting because I actually think the Desire Eye is a pretty attractive mid-tier Android device and I kind of quite like the idea of having the same camera on the front and the back. Um, just as a, Even if you see it as a marketing ploy, but it's quite clear if you look at the trends, more and more people are using that front camera to capture pictures and you know, that may not be you personally, but recognise that that's, <laughs> that's something that's happening and actually give HTC some credit for trying something a bit different and actually trying to sure. increase the quality of that front end camera. But, yeah. but you're right, I mean... I think, if anything, this goes to prove that uh, Microsoft's biggest advantage in imaging now is not at the high end, whereas we've discussed recently there's sort of definitely some pretenders to that crown. We talked about uh, the Note 4 from Samsung, yeah. for example, and a couple of others coming in as well. But at that mid-tier, almost where the algorithms become more important, I think because you know, you, uh, it's not that the optics stop mattering, and you know, we always talk about these trio of things that matter with, with imaging, but it just feels like they've done more work there, and that gives them an advantage. And I just wonder whether that might actually be quite significant for their reputation, because more of these mid-tier devices sell. You know, that reputation for having a good camera will kind of carry on. And r- rather bizarrely, you can almost talk about these mid-tier devices having a halo effect on the rest of the brand with regard to imaging. And I think the 830 yeah. is a fantastic device. I used it as my main camera camera when I was at CS shot about 250 pictures in a whole range of conditions and honestly it came out uh, as well as most of the pictures I took with a, a bigger heavier camera in terms of what I needed to use them for which was kind of writing up into a few reports you know sharing with a few colleagues things like that and you know obviously much more convenient carrying camera around and honestly they'd also uploaded overnight onto OneDrive and were you know be able to be shared everywhere much more easily and so yeah absolutely I'm not really surprised by that HTC I would say has been one of the companies that has pushed imaging and has done well here and so it's really a testament to the Lumia 830 that it was able to make it such a, a convincing victory because I mean I, I tried out the Desire Eye a little while back and was uh, pretty impressed I didn't do much in the way of side-by-side comparisons I didn't have the opportunity um, you know it, it's a good bit of hardware and the the Desire 826 which is the one I refer to as being announced at uh, CES you know, similarly nice hardware but in that mid-tier where it's harder and always has been hard to get um, hardware differentiation, it, it feels like there's something a bit special going on with the Lumia cameras. And we kind of got the hint of that with the 720, but it's the 830 that's really hit it out of the park, I think. Um, and, and we shouldn't, shouldn't forget the um, 735 either because that's got a pretty decent camera too. Yeah, the, the secret source of the 830, I think, is the, is the new next-gen optical image stabilization where they've kind of enabled it in a flatter a module that can be mounted in slimmer phones, and I think that really makes a difference. If you look at these, this, the, the profiles of the 930 and the 830, the 830 is massively thinner, and I know kind of thin is in, so that's a good thing in terms of the marketplace, but to have managed to fit an optical image stabilization in a, a decent camera unit in that profile, I think is just is astonishing, and uh, I look forward to that exact same technology of rolling down to future mid-range devices, as you say, and uh, there's no real reason why the 830 has to keep that to itself, and a lot, in fact, the 830's results have actually prompted a lot of people in our comments to say that it bodes well for the next generation of uh, 
Microsoft stroke X Nokia imaging flagships. If they can do that with the 830, you know, 270 pounds, what on earth are they going to be able to do at 500 pounds, for example? And we did see that um, all those those leaks and those renders of what might have been or might not have been the McLaren with the, you know, and there was a nice render of an imaginary concept um, version in, in sort of stainless stainless steel stroke, aluminium stroke, whatever I put up in one in the, on the denim story. And there's there's plenty of scope there for something really special that might come out of Microsoft this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk about the importance of getting into the mid-tier, and obviously with 830, the achievement is as much about cost as well as size. And I think we'll see that again when more of these uh, devices come out. And you're absolutely right. I think that module is something we'll see you know, for the over the next 12 months in a whole variety of devices. But it, it does make you lick your lips about what might come later in the year, um, yeah. you know, because you want the great camera performance, but you want it in as slim a device as possible. And you know, it's something I think that has been typified by the iPhone when a lot of people write about smartphone imaging, that that iPhone, the camera, is very good. It's always compared relatively favorable to all devices. I think it's fair to say we think that the Lumia devices have generally had an edge in the overall conditions, but then you have to measure in speed and performance, where I think the iPhone probably does have an advantage, particularly in the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the uh, denim update and the camera's performance improvements that are coming there will do to that comparison. Yeah. But uh, it, it, the point I actually want to make there is that having it in a slim form factor is actually almost more important than the whole quality thing because you do not want to compromise the overall design of a device like with the 1020 for the mass market. You know, Those who are the camera phone geeks don't mind having the 1020 hump, but for most people, they'll look at it and go, well, actually, I don't need a a phone that's got a great camera on it but if they get one that does have it on regardless you know so it's not a compromise then they'll go well that's really fantastic and that's what they'll then recommend to friends and that's where the word of mouth and the whole halo effect happens and that's what i think lumia and microsoft need to do with their next flagship it it in one sense people say i want to see the 1030 I want to see another one of those devices i think you captured this very well steve when you said actually the achievement would not be another 1030 it would actually be getting really great imaging performance in that high-end flagship that didn't then look like kind of a camera flagship didn't have the hump uh, and that's kind of where this technology is heading i think yeah, yeah. We must draw it to a close for this podcast, Rafe. We're going to try and promise our listeners that we will try try and get together on Thursday. And obviously tomorrow is the event and we're too busy sort of writing stuff up and reporting back and collapsing in a heap. But uh, hopefully Thursday, when we've had 24 hours to reflect and whatever gets announced, we can uh, get together and have another chinwag, Rafe. Indeed, yeah. It'll be interesting to compare notes and pick out some of our, our favourite things. It probably will be a shorter podcast because we managed to cover a lot of the topics we wanted to today. But uh, until later in the week, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Thanks for listening.